the topic that was assigned for this particular discussion has to do with the pattern of the Lord's church. And in a very simple fashion this morning, I want us to just stop and look at that word and what it entails. I'm sure you're aware that there's a great deal of material that is available in this particular discussion. So when we start talking about the pattern, there are people who will find a difficulty with what they call the pattern concept. They deny that they want to have the pattern mentality. That is, to look at the Bible as though it sets out a pattern. I had the occasion this last week to go back and read from the old Mission, old Mission magazine in 1971 in the month of December. And there are two bound volumes in my office, and I read a good part of that article on the 301 cubic foot arc. That wasn't a thing in the world, but just to take off on the idea of us accepting the fact that there is a pattern. But I want us to look at some things this morning. In Exodus 30, 25 and verse 9, Moses is recording what God said to him. And he said, according to all that I show thee after the pattern. In Exodus 25 and verse 40, he said, Make them after the pattern. Now question. Who made that statement? God Almighty himself. So I guess I'm in pretty good company when I use the word pattern here today. God used the word pattern. Not only did God use the word pattern, but he taught one of the greatest men of the Old Testament to use the word. So there ain't anything wrong with using the word pattern. I have God Almighty as an authority, and I have Moses under God's influence using the word pattern. But over in 1 Timothy 1, verse 16, Paul says, in talking about his conversion, and he said, for a pattern for them which should hereafter believe. And in 2 Timothy 1.13, he wrote to Timothy and said, hold fast the form of the pattern, of the American Standard Version would say, of sound words. Well, now who said that? Wasn't that Paul? So Paul sitting over here this morning, and you use the word pattern, what could he say? I use that word. Well, wait a minute. What's the source of that word? Where do you get that word? That just pulled out of the air somehow or other? Well, if I read 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13, he talks about those things which the Holy Ghost teaches. Paul, where'd you get that word? It was by inspiration. So folks, I don't have any question about using the word pattern, do you? I don't have any problem with it. I feel perfectly free to use that word pattern, and I am confident that I can use that word and have the support of 
this very thing when I do that. Well, there's no apology to be made for that. Now, that doesn't make me arrogant or braggadocious, but it causes me deep down in the very marrow on marrow of my soul to know that when I use the word, I can meet God in the judgment and say, Lord, I use that word, and he'll say, well, I said amen when you used it. So I don't have any problem with it. But I want to use three points in trying to discuss this. Now, my friend Wayne Dunaway was here. He'd have three points and a poem. You'll have to get your own poem. And I want to look at three things in connection with it. First, I want to look at the giving of the pattern. The giving of the pattern. I don't think any of us have any doubt about the need for a pattern, do we? In Jeremiah 10, 23, it's not within man that walketh to direct his steps. So it becomes pretty obvious that we have a need for something that is called direction. Well, isn't that what a pattern does? Doesn't it give you some direction? Doesn't it give you a kind of a battle? Sometimes, you know, we save a lot of time if we'll follow those instructions. Well, the Tony Lawrence over at Bible Branch in McMinnville, Tennessee, sent me not long ago the American Standard Version of the online Bible on uh, two discs to insert into my computer. And he put the instructions on a little yellow tab out here, and you'd hit this and hit that one and the other. And that's not as far as I know the computer. Well, I put those things in there, and it wouldn't do whatever it's supposed to do. I couldn't get it to take the thing. I could put it in there, but it wouldn't go on the hard disk. Well, I guess I was tired and frustrated. I just laid it aside. But I thought I'll keep the instructions. And so one night, not long after that, I decided I'll try it again. You know what I did? I went back and I looked at his instructions. Put this thing in, and it says, now when you get this in, then put that in. And you know what I have on my computer? When I followed the instructions, it just wound up that way. Well, now there isn't any question about our need for direction and instruction. Didn't Timothy need some? Isn't that what Paul said? Speak those things which become sound doctrine, or hold fast the poem, or pattern, or sound work. So I have any question, folks, about the existence of it. Let me show you why I know that. Is there not something to which all men are to conform? Now, Brother Wallace said, check or not, is it? For everybody? Is there not a responsibility for everybody to conform to something? Is there not something that all men are to obey? Matthew 28, verse 20, and 1 Corinthians 14, 37, Paul said, The things that I write unto you, they are the commandments of God. Well, is there not something that is to guide us in the way that all of us are to act. Go over to 1 Timothy 3 and look at verse 14 and 15. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, 
that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. You heard of these how-to books? There it is. That's it right here. There's your how-to book. That's how to act in everybody. Well, is there not something by which all of us are going to be judged? Romans 2.16, Paul said, The secrets of men's hearts shall be judged by my gospel. Is there not a law to which we are all to conform? James chapter 2, verse 12, So speak and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Now you want to know those burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So everybody is to conform to that law. Is there not a doctrine to which all men are restricted? Acts 2.42, 2 John verse 9 and 10. Is there not a testament that regulates our conduct in Hebrews 9 verse 16 to 18? It seems quite obvious to me that there's the need for it. But what about the giving of this pattern? Now I want to make three observations about this. One, this pattern was given in a particular time frame. You hear what I said? Within a particular time frame. Turn over to John chapter 16. Well, let's flip back first before we do that to the 10th chapter of the book of Matthew. In verse 16, Jesus sent those men out on the limited commission. But that would extend later to cover what their responsibilities would be under the Great Commission. And he said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they'll scourge you and their synagogue. And then he goes on to talk about how they will be brought. But then in verse 19, But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you. You see that? Something they didn't have, but something they would be given. All right, turn over to John 16, and let's look at verse 13. In this discussion of John 14, 15, 16, the emphasis is on the fact that Jesus is going to leave, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to guide these individuals. Now watch what he says. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come. Did you see that word, when the Spirit of truth is come? You notice that? Well, that means he hasn't already come. But when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever things he heareth, that shall he also speak, and he will show you things to come. Now, doesn't that set up a kind of a time frame? That when the Holy Spirit promised to the apostles came, that that he taught would be in that time frame. Is that right? Isn't that true? You're going to sleep. Shake it off. Is it not true? Well, sure it is. 
All right, now, flip over in your Bible to the second epistle of Peter and read the third verse. Now, Peter was an old man at this time. According as his divine power. What's his divine power? What's the difference in 2 Peter 1, verse 3, and John 16, 13? There ain't no difference. Now, we ought to be able to communicate, don't you think? We ought to be able, I think this defines it. You hear about the old boy that never had flown on an airplane? B.T. Black tells about the fellow and never had seen the inside of an airplane. Finally got a hold of enough money that he could take a trip on an airplane. Went up to the ticket counter and he said, I want a round trip ticket. And they said, where do you want to go? He said, right back here. <laughs> well, at least he knew what he wanted. At least he knew what he wanted. Now I want you to look. According as his divine power have. Now, some of you students, is that future tense or is that past tense? You said past? You go stake your eternal destiny on that. Is that right? Well, wait a minute. I read in John 16, 13 that it would be. And now I read 2 Peter 3, uh, 1, verse 3, that according as his divine power hath granted unto us all faith. Well, go back to John 13. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever things he heareth, that shall he also speak, and he'll show you things to come. When I hear the things that now have been granted, all things that pertain unto life and government. Folks, it's set in that time slot. No wonder Jude said, Contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered unto the saints. So we're talking about that pattern that was delivered within a time section. I believe it was delivered by the end of uh, before A.D. 70. Now, if you want to say A.D. 96, you've got a right to be wrong. <laughs> but I believe that it's in that time frame. But not only was this pattern delivered in a time frame, it was delivered to certain people. Go back to John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. Who? The apostles, those inspired teachers. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. He hath granted unto us. Go to Jude. Delivered unto the saints. And a person can say without any equivocation whatsoever and without any hesitation that this pattern, this truth, this testament, this doctrine was delivered in that time frame to a particular group of individuals. And it came through the apostles. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and you will find that they call, and Paul calls himself an ambassador, doesn't he? That means he has the credentials. And what he says has the official stamp and support 
of heaven itself. Now watch it. Listen to what I'm about to say. This doctrine or this pattern that was delivered to them was to be taught by other people. Go over 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, and Paul says, The things that thou hast heard of me, watch it, the same, the same, commit thou unto faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Let's suppose somebody doesn't want to do that, and they want to change. Well, go to Galatians 1, read verse 6 through 9. Paul said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He said, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel. Well, now that's a perversion. A perversion of what? A perversion of the plan and pattern that God gave through these men. So it's in a particular time frame. It's to a particular group of men and it is specific as to content. Now, let me go back to John 16, 13. Look at that. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Well, what kind of truth? Truth that has to do with the salvation of your soul. Get over again to 2 Peter, uh, 2 Peter 1 in verse 3. And in that particular passage, it says, And seeing as his divine power hath granted unto us all things that pertain to putting a rocket on the moon. Oh, no, 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 no. As to how to cook turnip wheat. Oh, no. Well, somebody said, well, now, wait a minute. You're talking about something that is 2,000 years old, and here is a nuclear scientist and what does it say to him? You want me to tell you in North Alabama language? The same thing it says to everybody else. And sometimes I get a little bit disturbed with these intellectuals. Now, if you're one of them, I'm disturbed you. <laughs> if you're the kind of person that thinks just because you know how to operate a computer and I don't, that means that you can take your Bible and change it. No, baptism is still something you have to conform to. You still have to worship like God Almighty said worship. But you know sometimes these intellectuals think because they can operate in the, in the field of high technology and high finance, but somehow or other, that makes them immune from the pattern. Oh, no, it doesn't. Same thing, same thing. And if you don't think we have some intellectuals, just listen, and they'll tell you. <laughs> I'm not being, I'm telling you the honest of Lord's truth. I, uh, I know what I'm talking about. This isn't hearsay, folks. I've been down the road. I know what I'm talking about. No, there's the giving of the pattern. Somebody said it's 2,000 years old. Thank God it is. It's as frozen as those faces on that mountain out under the rock. And you can't change it. And it's going to be there. So there's the giving of the pattern. All right? Look at the guidance that you get from the pattern. How does it guide? Well, it guides by what it says and by what it shows. 
had a little simple illustration all through the Bible. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. God had placed in that garden all kinds of trees. And he said, of every tree you may eat except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now, is that not a pattern set for their conduct as to how they were to conduct themselves? Now, let me ask you a question. Could you have told Adam and Eve what to do in that garden? Well, you say, I sure could. How could you have done it? Just turn over there and read what God said to them. Now, is anything profound about that? How would that pattern guide them? Just go back to what God said. That's what it is. That's all it is. That same thing in Genesis chapter 6. I could have told Noah how to build that ark and how long that thing was supposed to be. You know all I have to do? Go to Genesis chapter 6, look at verse 14, and read that. And he said, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Look at the next verse. And he said, you just exactly what the dimension. There's not a question about that. You have a problem with that. Go over to Exodus chapter 12, and I could have helped an Israelite pick out the, the lamb or the animal that he's going to use in the Passover. He tells me what kind. A male of the first year. So I say, okay, get rid of the female. You can't have one of those. Fine. That's what the pattern says. That's what the pattern says. So that pattern has a way of guidance. Now, just a brief illustration of this. Go to Acts chapter 2. And there were some people who found themselves in the situation to where they were lost. And they say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, watch it. What shall we do? And folks, what they told and taught those people in Acts 2 has become the pattern for the rest of the ages. That's it. You don't have a question there. And when you go back to verse 41 and 42, you will find that they that gladly received his word, there's the pattern, were baptized. And we'll look at this again in the book. But what I'm suggesting to you is that this pattern guides us by what it says. But it also guides us in those areas that we've talked about with reference to hermeneutical principles. That, you ever heard the old hermeneutic? What is it? Inference, command, and what? Exactly. Is that right? Well, now, let's see. Who discovered that? A fellow by the name of Bacon? Or was it Campbell that came up with that hermeneutical principle? Is that right? You got your Bible, open it to the second chapter of the book of Philippians. And I want you to look at something. And by the way, if you want an outline of the second chapter of the book of Philippians, there are four or five or six of them down here on the front. And some of you preachers go try to preach next Sunday. Let me give you a sermon on Philippians right now. It won't cost you a dollar. The gospel is in the first chapter that offers the guidance in the second chapter, that leads to the goal of the third chapter with the help of God in the fourth chapter. If you can't preach that, go resign. <laughs> That's easy. 
But now if you look at this second chapter of Philippians. In this second chapter of Philippians, you have in the first 11 verses inference that will cause a person to have and will lead a person to a certain disposition. Now look at verse 1. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ. The word if there is since, really. It means since this is the case. Just like in Romans 8.31, If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, is there any question about God being for us? Not whatever. So there isn't any question about there being consolation in Christ. If you don't think so, ask that James. If it hadn't been for the consolation he had in Christ, he'd been a dead man. Any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit. Well, since these things are there, this infers that a certain attitude ought to be developed. And then he comes down and talks about what that attitude is. It ought to be an attitude of humility, among other things. Let nothing be done through strife of vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean a person who's humble. Well, is it easy if we are careful to get the peacock idea? You know, sometimes as a preacher, I, you, you have to watch this thing. I heard about two preachers talking, and they were talking about a third preacher. And they said, uh, what do you think of that fellow? Is he as good a preacher as you are? He said, no, he's about like you are. <laughs> well, I think I know what his problem is. But now watch it. Inference here guides to a certain disposition. But commands here lead to certain duties to be done in verses 12 through 16. Obey, he said. Here are your commands. And then the examples in verse 17 through 30 will cause one to develop the kind of dedication that ought to be in his life. Now that's the gospel of chapter 1 that leads to that kind of a disposition, to that kind of duty, and to that kind of dedication that will help him to reach that goal with the help of God. And sometimes, folks, we get cart food horse. We're trying to get people to do their duty and become dedicated without the right kind of disposition. If the heart's right and the disposition's right, you're not going to have that kind of problem. We've got folks at Hobbs Street down in Athens, Alabama, that we don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to do what God Almighty wants them to do. They're going to do it. You know why? Their attitude's right. You don't have to worry about whether or not they're going to give. They're going to give because their disposition and attitude of heart's right. And they'll give and won't even call it a sacrifice. You say, oh, a person can't do that. Any of you folks got your grandkids? Where's Wayne comes? He in this house. Anybody got any grandkids? You got some? Can your grandkids rob you? They can't rob you. You stand your thing. <laughs> My wife can tell you, they can take everything I've got. And then I'll get off in the corner and just pout. They took all the things from me. No such of a thing. And the man who sold out to God lock, stock, and barrel in his disposition's right, it's given in any problem. It's a privilege. 
Now, how does it guide us? Well, that chapter, by inference, by command, and by example, and that isn't hard. But what about the good of a pattern? Well, there are a number of things, and I don't have but just a short time to talk about this. But one of the things I know about a pattern and the good that comes out of it, and if you want to really get into this, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all Scripture is given, that is, the pattern given, is profitable, for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished under every good work. But I want to show you some things about what a pattern will do. A pattern will protect unity. Now, how many times you read Ephesians 4? There's the one, and the one, and the one, and the one in Ephesians 4. And you've read that over and over, and I'm sure you preached over it, and we all have. But have you noticed what protects that pattern in Ephesians 4? There's the disposition he, start, he, start, he talks with, to begin with, but drop down and notice what he says. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of Christ. And then he comes down and he talks about those spiritual gifts that were given to those inspired men. To do what? To guide them as they ought to be guided, and that would pretty well protect that unity, wouldn't it? Isn't that the way you do it? You just follow this pattern. And when I follow this pattern, everybody is going to say the same thing. They're going to say the same thing. And they're going to be of one heart and one soul. And I'll tell you something else. A pattern makes things in the Lord's church predictable. Didn't Paul say, as I teach everywhere and in every church, except Hobb Street in Athens, Alabama? Oh, no, that's not what it says. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me illustrate that, and then I close. Any of you folks ever go to Hardee's? <laughs> I'll have to ask that question. I can look at you and tell that. <laughs> but my question is this. Do you know what kind of biscuits you're going to get before you get there? Do you? Can you walk in there with total and complete confidence and know that's what you're going to get? Any of you folks ever gone to Cracker Barrel? Amen. <laughs> Cracker Barrel. Have you ever tried their pinto beans? Amen. Let me tell you what you can do. You can go from Lebanon, Tennessee, down into Florida, and over into this part of the country. Anywhere there is a Cracker Barrel, you can get the same kind of pinto beans cooked the same way. You know, that's surprising to me. I don't understand that. How in the name of common sense can you take a fella that was reared in North Alabama and have him cook pinto beans the same way they cook pinto beans in Florida? You say, I, I think I know. I think the folks that put their money in the Cracker Barrel, that how people that came to the first one 
said, we want that same customer back when he goes down the road, and we want our food predictable. Now, he'll know what he's getting. Now, folks, let me tell you something. I can ride around over this country and look at churches of the New Testament, and when my wife and I are on the road, we want to stop and worship, and here is a church of Christ, I can tell you five things I'm going to see in that worship service. I'll ask one and say, now, do you folks have the Lord's Supper? Oh, no, I have any questions about that. Do you folks sing without the aid of the instrument? Well, I don't have any questions about that. Do you have your prayer? Do you have your contribution? Do you have your teaching? Now, where did they get that? Here it is, right here. Now look at what we have. We have a pattern that was given that guides us for our good to the goal which is heaven when it's all over down here. That's what you guys believe.